0: AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show for your Monday. Good to be with you today. Matt and Patrick today. Full week for you. How about that, huh? Uh, at five th- or 4.30 this afternoon, 4.30 this afternoon, uh, Michael Broadcorp is going to join us. He is officially our Vikings guy. Uh, I was I, I did not get him on the air with us on Friday. I should have gotten him on the air with us last Friday. But he's kind enough to join us today, and it's good because we can talk about, oh, my God. Now, yes, I know we are not a sports station, but neither Michael or I are sports guys. So this is more just talking about it as, you know, as regular people talking about this like anyone else you would hear or expect. Hi, Patrick. How are you today? Uh, doing well. Uh, kind
1: of uh, just one day of what should be quite a uh, busy week for me.
0: Oh, really? What's what, what what, Please do tell. Well, uh, do we keep you busy around? I mean, I've, <laughs> I've listened to this. I mean, it's, 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 you know, you're basically, you know, leave me alone as the howler monkey exhibit. You can just kind of observe me and leave the mic on for two hours of every day. But there's a lot of other things going on right here. Uh, might have some sports stuff this week, might
1: have some other thing I'm not sure I can talk about on air, just because uh, I don't know how that goes, but you and I can talk about that.
0: After. Okay, well, all right, it's a secret. Apparently, he's breaking the law. I'm going to take that as you started up your own meth ring, and I'll give you some business advice, all right? I'm just, you know, how how to market that. I've watched Breaking Bad. I don't have a Pontiac Aztec, but still, I'll figure it out for you, Okay. right. 952-946-6205. Have you been to the U.S. Bank Stadium for a Vikes game?
1: I have. I was at one last season against the Cardinals. That's Arizona for the non-sports crowd.
0: Okay, so I want to start off with with, – because yesterday I went to that game. Um, We ended up having some tickets offered to us. We took them. I hadn't been um but you know why not my wife wanted to go and so so sure I put on my John Randall jersey yeah old school my friend I got my John Randall jersey put that on headed over to US Bank Stadium and it was it, okay so I will say this it is hard to go and watch this team because no other team um no other team will ha, has broken my heart more than the vikings have and that's that's just that's just a fact i mean it just it's they have no other team has done more damage to me as a fan than the minnesota vikings and you can they can say well that's not fair no it it's very fair i, I mean i i you know without a doubt that's very fair and uh, yeah, it's it, you know and it was yesterday they were honoring Bud Grant which was kind of nice and lovely and you, and you did a great job by losing that game by the way. <laughs> anyway. Uh but they're honoring Bud Grant. By the way, they should have been up 28-0 in that first half but but uh, you know between the offensive line and Kirk Cousins I don't uh, you know I I'll tell you what we'll save it for Michael Broadcard. We'll save it for Michael Broadcart. How many wide open time, How many times was Addison wide open? I mean, I don't mean kind of open. I mean no one within 10-15 yards of him and he didn't even see him. Uh anyway. I knew that I mean, I'm sorry, I went into that game. I went to that game just expecting them to lose. Find some way to lose to make Baker Mayfield look like a better player than Kirk Cousins and mission accomplished. They did. They made Baker. That's going to be the entire highlight reel for Baker Mayfield for the entire season right there. Because I guarantee you no one else is going to allow him to, to get away with a win like that. Uh, but anyway, that being said. No, I mean, I, I'm apprehensive about going to that team. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Wild haven't delivered. You know, they, they, they've, they've you know always been there. But they haven't been doing it since the early 60s. OK, they haven't been they, they've they been doing it since just, you know, quaintly for the last 23 years. I mean, is that 23 years for the Wild? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. The T-Wolves, you know, they, they've they only been breaking my heart since the late 80s, you know, not since the 60s. And the Twins actually did win two World Series in my lifetime. And yeah, it is a long, long time ago from 1991. When they pull when they pull out that World Series team, they're looking pretty they're looking a little uh they're looking a little uh, Rip Van Winkle. But and and you know let's give the Lynx credit they keep winning. Minnesota United you'll get there. <laughs> you'll you'll get to breaking in my heart. I love soccer, but yeah, that's killing me there too. And sure, you know, you it's it's you know when I think about the Gopher sports teams they're, they're, the football team 's a hollow shell of the 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 once mighty program there, but I mean things have changed greatly across the the board there that make things a little more difficult there and go for hockey when was the last thing what it was two thousand and four they won the back to back that was the second year of the back to back was two thousand and four so they, they've they've developed. I mean, they should have won last year, but they went into prevent mode in the third period, and they basically ended up winning, getting runner up. Way to go, team! There, you, you should. Have. That was a that was an embarrassing final loss. But no one, no one sticks it to the fans of this of their, of their team worse in this city than the Vikings, and they kept. I mean, what was their big excuse for years? The Metrodome. You want us to win a championship in the metrodome? please. if you if you want us to win a championship you need to bring us a championship caliber stadium. Well, now you got it because that was I, I've been in U.S Bank Stadium for concerts and uh, for a graduation. Um, it, it's an impressive building. I mean it is an impressive building. It, it was just voted the best stadium in all NFL football. Um, it is, it, you, you've got your stadium. Stadiums get you championships. That was the crap line that team sent us for years. And I walked in that game and I just said, they're going to lose. I remember them going through last year. I just like, yeah, wait till the playoffs and, and mission accomplished. The Giants, the abysmal Giants came in and basically spanked you at home. You know, you can say anything you like. It just, it's, they, as a matter of fact, in my mind, they actually went out and got the quarterback to fulfill that failure fantasy in Kirk Cousins. They've they got a guy who just is is always going to be the bridesmaid and never the 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 bride. I mean that is just who Kirk Cousins is. I mean that if there ever was a quarterback that matched that team it's it's Kirk Cousins. And he showed us he showed us exactly who he was yesterday. Anyway, I'll get back to more of that stuff tomorrow uh, later on with Broadcourt. But I want to say that there's another element. I mean, so it's not just the fact that the, the repeated failure, the, the abuse of the fan base by the team is absolute when it comes to the Vikings. But there is another thing that you know, I just did not enjoy about that Vikings experience yesterday. And it goes a long way to... the 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 vibe of the crowd. Now, I, we just came down, we got finished up a week ago today with the state fair. And one of the reasons why and Patrick you you you've been in the state fair, you'll agree with this. I think one of the reasons why the Minnesota State Fair is such a good state fair is you have all the ag stuff. But you got Minneapolis-St. Paul. I mean, everywhere you look, it's Minneapolis Freaking St. Paul out there. Would you agree? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that assessment. The the vibe of the core urban core is represented in that state fair. I mean, the food alone, I think, is a is a great example of that. You get that vibe. So let's take a look around at what's the vibe to all of these other sports that we have in this town and good and bad because it, it's, it's it was after we got out of that stadium after we ran from that building because of the crap fest that game began became baker mayfield okay seriously that wasn't that wasn't Patrick Mahomes that wasn't that wasn't Aaron Rodgers baker freaking mayfield all right i'll save it i'll save it but as we ran from the building pretty building ran from it my wife and i got into a long discussion of what was it about there that that just at least for us wasn't didn't just click and and it wasn't it was a bad experience i had delicious food from soul bowl and by the way hi matt mcneil big white uh, white guy for soul bowl you know think about this soul bowl this could sell all right? <laughs> Hi. I mean, kiss the cook. Matt McNeil for soulable I would in a heartbeat. Your product is fantastic. I love it. Great. Love the plantains, by the way. Nice touch. The I had food, good food. You know, things were stadium priced. So it wasn't bad there. So what was it? And it was the vibe of... Of that, And I'll get to that in a second, but let me run through the rest. First of all, the Gopher teams, I mean, it's a college vibe. I mean, you go to Gopher football, you know, Mariucci, Williams Arena, it's a college vibe. You got alumni, you got this. But, I mean, if you're not an alumni or a student at U- University of Minnesota, you're pretty much probably not going to be going to too many games. You know, um, I, I I still think pound for pound, I love the Twins. I do love the Twins. And I love baseball, but I think my favorite live in person viewing experience is gopher hockey. I just love gopher hockey. It is just fun, it's a good arena, it's a good vibe, it's it's college there. So, you know, that, that that's what you get. The University of Minnesota, and I'll give I'll throw St. Thomas in there, you're just gonna get the college vibe. That's that's what you get. Minnesota United, of all the teams I think. In this town that truly have more of a Minneapolis-St. Paul vibe itself within their arena, I'd say it's Minnesota United. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I I think that you do get a little suburban there, and I think that this will be a thing I'll repeat. You're selling high-end tickets and luxury boxes. There is going to be a suburban element to all of these teams. But with with United, I think they do the best job of really encapsulating Minneapolis Saint Paul within the experience over at Allianz Field. The T Wolves, the NBA is interesting. They definitely have this urban feel, but once again, as I just mentioned with the Minnesota United, you're selling three thousand dollars seats on the at courtside. You've got a wealthy suburbanite feel as well. But I think that it's a it is a nice con they've, they've de- developed definitely developed a you know their own unique vibe within the NBA of this urban suburban mix, which is you know it, and it works for them I mean there's a reason why they are very popular you know that, that the league is still I think probably with the younger generation the most popular of all of them maybe the NFL but i thought i thought it was for a long the NBA had actually kind of surpassed that didn't, didn't they for a little bit there patrick you know sports better than i did did they did the, the NBA actually with younger viewers was more popular than the NFL i it's close yeah i think it's, it's pretty really close. close yeah all right so they got their own unique vibe the lynx um, i would call the lynx metro area Woman power, girl power. I've taken my daughters to those games, and you know, you want you want the impact of the links. My daughters come home, and for two weeks afterwards, they're shooting hoops out in the uh, in the backyard. They, they, it's 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 kind of that vibe. They've also have a championship, a bit of a championship feel them because they have won them. So it's a good product. I I mean, I you know, it's got its own unique vibe. So let's get to the twins, the Wild, and the Vikes. Because the Twins are very different. You go to a Twins game at Target Field, it's a very different vibe than when you go to a Vikings game or a Wild game. The Twins game, and and this is, my wife said this, and I think that this is 100% spot on. The Twins vibe is suburban family. And I, I get that because when I walk in, it's it, there's a lot of kids. I mean, you, you walk in off the that right field plaza there by the big glove and by Harmon Killebrews and Kirby's statues. You come in that direction. I mean, you got the play area right there, and it's a bunch of kids, and they're having a blast, and it's good time. And those kids are out there the entire time. Plus TC plus the kids van zone. And I'm not saying it's not an adult base there because I know a lot of people that go there. They've got the craft beers. They've got all that stuff. But when you walk in, if you walk in by the main uh, Twins gift shop in that entrance, there's alcohol and stuff. But there's also – I think the more prominent feature is souvenirs, programs, merchandise, and then it's the beer food sort of thing. It's a very different vibe. Then when you go to a wild game or a Vikes game. Now, I'm just really quick on the, on the wild on the, at the X. I'll tell you what. I'm, let me save this for a second because I want to get into the Vikings and I don't want to kind of, you know, deflate where I'm, I'm going with the Vikes. Because this is – we came in on 5th. And if you don't know, that that's the, the street that comes in. The commons or just to the, the, to the north of that street. It's basically – the 5th is the street that runs on the backside of the armory. And it comes in right in the front end of the plaza. It's the street that the light, the street, the, the light rail comes down, and it means mer, mer, you know merges in there. So you walk in from that direction, and the first thing that happens when you get to the Vikes area, there, you, you go past the Commons, and there's a stage there, one or two guys out there doing their own freelance vendoring. Yeah, you know, By the way, the sh- if you buy one of the shirts that has the swear words on it, you're not going to be part of the Fox broadcast or the CBS broadcast, FYI. They're not going to put you up there. And, yeah, I can't believe that those are officially licensed Vikings gear in any capacity. The first thing you walk into is this plaza, which is basically an open outdoor bar. I mean, that's what it is. It's booze, 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 booze. And, I mean, it's booze everywhere. I mean, it it smells like a bar. It smells like booze on the floor. Now, I want to say for the record, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And second, I don't drink. My wife and I, my wife drinks a little, but I don't drink at all. I I stopped drinking years ago. And so going in there, it is really this drink-intensive experience Drinks here, beer, hard liquor, beer, hard liquor. And that's that's they've got a lot of sponsors. They've made a lot of money off this. And they're clearly trying to make as much money by selling those stadium-priced drinks before you even get to the stadium. You go past that. You've got the security checkpoint. You go through the security checkpoint. And between the security checkpoint and the ticketing area right at the gate, there's a few people selling booze. Then you get your tickets scanned, and you walk into U.S. Bank Stadium off that plaza. And I'm going to guess the first thing I noticed was seven alcohol stands. In case you ran out before you got through the the, the, the security screening and the ticket check, we got a whole bunch of, of booze vendors for you. Right there, ready to go. Who needs a beer? Who needs a, who needs a hard drink? And that was another thing, which is kind of you know, the the heavy alcohol, the hard alcohol, that's very prevalent now in these stadiums. That used to not be the case. It used to be cheap beer, sodas, water, popcorn, peanuts, hot dogs, hamburgers. That was it. It's, it's changed. It's, and, and I'm not saying there weren't some food vendors, but it was predominantly liquor. So then we have to go up to the third level. So we have to take three sets of escalators up. We take the first set of escalator up. What's at the top of that escalator? Booze. <laughs> In case you got through your drinks before you got up to the first stop, there's there is what two? I think two stands there. We go into the t- the second escalator up to the second floor, and there's a booze guys there. In case you got, hey, did you get a drink below on the first escalator? Did you finish that one? Guess what? We got another spot for you right here. And then you go up and take the third when you're up on the third deck. Now, I will say the concourse itself was fairly – it was much more kind of reminiscent of Target Field on that third concourse as I walked over to the area there uh, where we were sitting. And so, yeah, there was liquor, but it didn't feel like it was overwhelming. But it clearly was a heavy – it was suburban drinking culture. That's what that was. And once again, that's not illegal. That's not error. It's kind of the vibe. And you get up in the stands, and there are clearly some drunk people already before the games even started. There are clearly drunk people. I'm seeing people coming in with four beers, coming in, you know, not once a quarter, but once every half quarter. They're knocking them back. There are already people who are slurring their speech. It's noon on a Sunday. Good luck with all that. There are some kids, but there's a heck of a lot more swearing. There's a heck of a lot more, you know, aggressive nature. There are very aggressive gestures between the Vikes fans and any, in this case, Tampa fans that happen to show up. But that was the culture of what you saw. And sure, they had a few, you know, the the Jumbotron shows a a few people out there. I mean, most of the time, the viewing seems to be the people down on that field level which I can only imagine that's, what, $10,000 per game or something like that. But, the yeah, it was it's just, it is, if I was to say, what's the culture of a Vikes game? And to a point, the Wild game. Now, the Wild are a little different. I'll talk about that in a quick second. But whereas the Twins game is suburban family, the Vikings is suburban drinking culture. And that's kind of what it is. And I'm not saying that there aren't people there who are like me, don't drink. And, you know, once again, the food was nice. The view was pretty good. The stadium is actually quite nice. I will say it it should be for what we freaking paid for it before we handed it over to a billionaire. (sighs) The product sucked, but, (laughs) you know, and the tribute to the Bud Grant was quite nice. But that is a very suburban drinking culture experience. It's very loud, it's very aggressive, and it's that's what it is. Now, the Wild are a little different, and what I'll say about the Wild is there is it is, I think, also a suburban drinking culture that shows up, but it's also a suburban social media culture that shows up over there. A lot of that culture is, look at me, look at me, look at me. The game, the, the actual hockey game at the XL Energy Center for most of the fans seems like a secondary thing, and that's just kind of the vibe you get from that there. And that's different, and I don't know how you fix that. I mean, that's why I think the reason why the Wild aren't really compelled to try to make themselves better. They don't need to make themselves better because they've made themselves into an event, and I am guarantee you they're making money there. But that's just the, the kind of vibe. Let me take a break. One other quick observation I want to make in regards to veterans' issues, and I can talk about this because I'm a veteran myself, a disabled veteran of that matter, of the U.S. Army. I will talk about one of the things that really, to a point – Okay, it's nice, but hey, have you thought about doing this when it comes to veterans? 952 946 6205. 952 946 6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, The Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. So once again, as just regular fans, this is just how it feels when I, I go to these games. And I don't think I'm necessarily that far off because it is, like I said, the difference between going to a Twins game and going to a Gopher football game and going to a Vikes game, I mean, those are wildly different experiences and don't get me wrong I, i'm not saying that this is bad in any capacity it's just be prepared for what to expect when you go to these experiences i guarantee you this the vikings are making coin i mean that that stadium is jam packed and they are selling a lot of booze in that place but that's what the culture is it's suburban drinking culture that's what it is that's not illegal that's not that's not different it is their vibe and that's where and they're making a lot of money that's at least the way it felt Patrick, you um, you said when we are talking about the twins, there was something you noticed about the twins, too. There's definitely a lot of a vibe of, you know, the the, the
1: good old golden days with, uh, you know, they, they try to mix the past and present. I don't think they always do it successfully, but, you know, you'll go out there and you'll have, hey, we've got Janet out here from Marshall, Minnesota, or from International Falls, or Watertown, South Dakota, celebrating her 85th birthday here today. Mm hmm. So you kind of get a lot of that at the Twins game. I think they have tried to bring in some more modern, as you know, they've got a DJ and you know things like that. But oh, it, they
0: they they bring out the old. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think both teams, the Vikes and the Twins, bring out the old legend players. They dust those. They must have them stored in the building because they wheel those guys out. I mean, Ahmad Rashad was out there talking for the uh, for the Bud Grant thing. He looked great, by the way. Amad looked fantastic. Uh and they had also a bunch of other dignitaries out there as well. But no, you're exactly right. And the, it, the the one thing that's a difference between the twins and that is the twins, like I said, and you can you can call it out as you want, they they hang their hat on those two World Series as they should. They've got the trophies for them. When you go watch Bud Grant, you know, it it's there's a lot of there's a lot of positioning of what that was. Without mentioning the fact they never won one of the Super Bowls, <laughs> they they it's 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 the way they built the tradition. And don't get me wrong, Bud Grant was a top-notch coach. He was as good as they get. He did not win the Super Bowl. And like I said, starting this off, I think mean, that's one of the things that I have a hard time with going to a Vikings game is that that is a franchise that has always been the bridesmaid and never the bride. And so to tell to sell me on tradition and experience. It's hard because, oh, you mean the four Super Bowls we didn't win? Oh, okay, sure. But, yeah, it was Bud Grant, and he was a fantastic coach. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, the, the Denny Green, you know, you know, missed field goal, you know, NFC Championship game, you know, and, and I have zero doubt. I think no, no one here has any doubt that that team would have probably won the Super Bowl if they would have gotten to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, they didn't, and that's the end of it. I don't think this. My gut feeling is this Vikings team will be six and ten, and I don't think the coaching staff will get let go. I think that the end of the that that at the end of this season, the Kirk Cousins era in Minnesota will be long gone, and they'll they'll basically give um, you know you know, uh, uh, you know the the uh, oh who Jared, uh, Jefferson. Um, they'll give him everything that he wants just to keep him in there because that's the guy that's going to keep him in the stands. We'll talk, I guess I'll talk about that more later. Here's one thing, and this goes to all sports, but God, the NFL does this more than anyone else. It's great you guys do all that veteran stuff. You you talk about, we got the pride of the veterans. We're doing a flyover on a covered stadium. Okay, fine. At least I heard the helicopters and they showed video footage of them, but you couldn't really see them. There's lots and lots of, of, you know, veteran, veteran, pro-veteran, pro-veteran, and that's great. Tell you what, you want to show me you're really pro-veteran, and this goes for every freaking team out there. Take two of your sections that are down on the first level that are maybe not 50-yard line, I'll let you have that, but maybe at the 35-yard line take that whole section and make that a veterans only section that you have to be a veteran and the tickets are available and you you know that you that they're for veterans and they are they are affordable seats and show me that because i mean I, i've talked about this before as a veteran myself as a disabled veteran it's nice that you guys do this thing but if you really want to show me how much you care about the vets well put your money where your mouth is say, you know what, we're going to have – we could sell this for for $4,000 a seat. We're not going to do this. These are going to be $40 seats, and veterans and their families get to use these every single game. That would show me something. That would be better than a POW MIA flag up on the wall. It doesn't mean that I don't appreciate you showing your support, but you want to show some real support for the veterans – Put the money where the mouth is. I, I've talked about this with like with with like Home Depot. I'll notice Home Depot has these parking spots are reserved for, for veterans. Well, that's great. That's great. How about you give them a twenty five dollar discount on anything I'm about to buy? I mean you, I mean that's really the case. And here's the deal the fact that you guys are so visible with it, you're you're using the veterans to market yourself. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You could just offer them those tickets in that area. And your actions would go a lot further at showing your compassion and caring for the veterans than the fact that you guys, veterans, 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 veterans. You guys are getting more from the marketing of that than the veterans are. You are. You are. I can say this as a veteran, as a disabled veteran from the U.S. Army you guys are using the veterans for your own marketing and it's great that you are showing the veterans support that's nice but you're doing it so that you can position yourself as something patriotic at the you know at, at, you know and, and and kind of acting like because we've shown these veterans because we have a few elderly veterans who have gotten one or two seats well that's great Tell you what. Why don't you take two of your sections on the first level? You know, maybe, like I said, you don't have to make it 50-yard 50, 50 line. Make it the 35-yard line. Take that entire section. Make it a veterans-only section. Same thing for the Twins. Same thing for the wild. Same thing for the t Wolves. Same thing for the Lynx. And same thing for Minnesota United and the Gophers as well. Put your money where your mouth is. You really want to show me you support the veterans? Make, it, make, make one of your premier sections a veterans-only area. That's an affordable ticket that says, fine. or even better yet, because I know, you. considering how much booze you guys are making at the, the U.S. Bank Stadium, selling at the U.S. Bank Stadium, tell you what, why don't you make them free tickets for veterans? You can make sure they get distributed. They can't be resold. They have to, they are, they are, they are issued to a veteran and their family, and they have to show ID to get in that section. There you go. They're not going to be scalped. They're not going to be resold. They're just there. Do that. If you're a business, and that's not a sports team, you want to do something like this, well, will tell you what, just have a $25 discount to all veterans. They show their veteran ID card, they get the discount. Because that, you know what? That's supporting the troops. It is. And I'll take it, I'll take you marketing that. I'll take you marketing that so that you get the credit for it. That's fine. But if you want to really do something, as opposed to just saying we support the troops, Put your money where your mouth is and show us that you do. My guess is going to be is we'll about to hear a whole bunch of excuses of why you don't or what we really are doing, so we don't need to do something like that, and that's fine. It just as a veteran, I can I can it gives me a perspective to look at that and say, okay, uh, that's nice, but you know what? You really could do to show you that you support the troops, and yeah. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. I'll get off this. Come on back. Uh, I gotta, uh, I'm going to try, for, for, the, for the sanity of Patrick, I'm going to try to wrap up the SRO thing as quickly as I can, get into some other things here as well. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM nine fifty, the progressive voice of Minnesota, is the Matt McNeil show. By the way, shouldn't mention. Not only are we here back for a full live week where the shows, but Ghost Box Radio is live all this week as well. Brand new shows all through the week, including uh, Lori Lashman and Mary Newstrom from Souls of Spirits Expos. That's Ghost Box Radio. If you're not listening to it, we've got an insanely quality lineup for you all the way until midnight tonight. Uh, you know, you've got uh, uh, the Rick Smith show coming in at eight o'clock. Uh, you've got, uh, you've got, uh, Ghost Box Radio at 10, and then, of course, Patty Vasquez from 11 until midnight, right here every weeknight, right here on AM 950. Just quality stuff. So go out and enjoy them as, once again, Ghost Box Radio, all brand new this whole week. So make sure you go check that out. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Speaking of honoring veterans, it is 911. Um, it is, um, A a very solemn day. I've I've talked about numerous times over this holiday, the the commemoration of this day, the the official uh, you know uh, recognition of nine eleven. That the I I'll never I I kind of mean it's just it's scorched in my mind that morning. Um, Just you know at, at that point being on a a very you know non intrusive more informational internet at that point. And hearing um, uh, the local radio station talk about a oh, plane hit, uh, hit the World Trade Center and you're thinking to yourself it's a – I was thinking to myself it was a, uh, um, a, you know, a, a small plane that just you know for some reason a sightseeing plane or something like that that accidentally crashed into it. And it was – then when a second plane has hit the towers, I remember stopping and scrambling and running downstairs to where our television was and turning the television on and realizing, oh, no, this is something very different. And then I'll remember when the Pentagon, the guy was—I think it was the NBC News it was the Pentagon he just said the entire building just shook, something hit this building, and he said I gotta go, and he you know shut down and it was—I think that was the NBC guy that was there uh, in realizing that the, the United States was under attack, um, you know, just you know, and watching the inevitable—the two towers coming on down—that was you know just. Truly horrible. Um, the you know I I've, I've it's you know Al Qaeda was was there, but you know it, you can't deny the Saudi involvement in the attack, and it, it is just in my mind one of the greatest injustices in this country has ever seen the fact that you know the 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 the, the, the hijackers got information from the Saudi intelligence agencies. They 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 were being fed information. And a lot of this has been downplayed, and, and, and that is just a disservice to the, the, the people that died, but as well for the people that went and immediately ran out there. And I should mention, this is a, a story today, the number of 9-11 first responders who have died from ground zero related health complications is now nearly equal to the number of first responders who died during the attacks. The New York City Fire Department announced last week the addition of 43 names of first responders who died from 9-11 related ailments to its memorial at the 9 at the World Trade Center, 9-11 Memorial there. The names added included those of firefighters, paramedics and EMTs. The brave men showed up that day and on the days and months following the attacks to participate in the rescue and recovery efforts of the World Trade Center site, we will never forget them. Fire Commissioner Laura Kavanaugh said in the press release, by the numbers in the 22 years since 9-11, 341 Fire Department of New York members have died from rare cancers and diseases caused by the toxic dust at Ground Zero. The Uniformed Firefighters Association wrote in Facebook Post on Monday, the count nearly equal to the 343 New York City firefighters who died on September 11th, 2001. According to New York City Police Department, 23 police uh, officers died on 9-11 in the years since. 230 or excuse me, 323 members of the force have died from 9-11 related illnesses. So that's, you know, what, a 12 times increase to the people that died on that day. Health ailments related to 9-11 have impacted members of the FBI and the Department of Defense as well. FBI Director Christopher Wray said last year that 21 FBI employees have died from related illnesses from the years after the attack. Increasing funding for the 9-11 Victims Compensation Fund has long been a subject of ongoing effort in Congress. In 2019, the Senate voted to secure funding for the fund through 2092. The New York law called the 9/11 Notice Act will require large employers to inform current and former workers who are present in the exposed zones of the attacks about their eligibility to register for federal programs providing compensation and health care for the attack victims. Should mention John Stewart, the Daily Show host, has been one of the most vocal advocates for the first responders. And if and and if you've ever seen, if you ever did have the chance to see any of the interviews he did. with the people that were there and people who were dying, who in one of their last acts came on his show to plead for better support for the first responders of 9-11. It's it's truly heartbreaking stuff. Um, The bill, by the way, the 9-11 Notice Act was signed into law today. On the solemn day of remembrance, let us not only honor the lives of those lost on 9 11, but also extend our support to the survivors, their loved ones, and the first responders, they said in this statement. That was just, that was a truly, you know, I've I've watched the French filmmakers, and and, and you've probably seen them as well, the the video footage from that moment where uh, they were out there just doing some film work. Uh, covering New York firefighters and happened to be there when the uh, plane crashed into the, the the first tower and they rolled out there. And then the footage that they had, which was truly remarkable full footage of what was going on inside the World Trade Center towers. I, I, I think personally, um, if we can run It's a Wonderful Life every freaking Christmas in this country, why in the world we can't air that video footage every single 9/11, I don't know. We should. It is truly remarkable footage, and it shows you the bravery of the first responders that showed up out there. Um, it, you know, I, I, you know it, this was not an attack on one of us. It was an attack on all of us. And we should remember that, and it, and it shouldn't be political. But one of the things that I really have a hard time with – are the people that scream that and then immediately try to turn this into something that it it wasn't to benefit themselves. And this kind of, you know, to a point it's 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 hard to see Donald Trump the man who on 9/11 his first comments about it to an interview was talking about how now his building's the tallest one in Manhattan as the other two buildings have collapsed. That was where his priority was. Donald Trump today, there is this element out there that, and, and Patriot takes of pointing this out, there's a, there's a, a, there's a social media accounts called Trump History, which basically try to portray Trump as slapping on a fireman's uniform and personally dragging victims of the 9-11 attack out of the wreckage over there. No, he was nowhere near that. The people that actually were there have many of them have died because of the diseases they got from being there. That's not Trump, but they can't stop with their the the rightos can't stop with their fan fiction on this guy. And so I want to make sure we understand that Donald Trump's first thing that he did on this as as we we should this was an attack on all of us, but he his first priority was to basically use this attack to promote the fact that he then had the tallest building in Manhattan. Donald Trump said hundreds of his friends died. That was not true. He had said he'd sent 125 of his workers to help with rescue and recovery. That was not true. He insisted he himself helped clear rubble. No, that was not true. He himself said he saw the Muslims dancing in New Jersey. That was not true. He also took 150,000 relief funds for his rescue employees. He actually took that money for his undamaged properties because that's who that guy is. This was an attack. 9-11 was an attack on all of us, including Donald Trump. Some people showed true bravery that day running to the site and trying to save anyone that they could. Other people didn't do a damn thing but sure act as if they were the only person that mattered that day. That's one of the reasons I can't stand freaking Donald Trump, one of the many reasons, and one of the reasons why I still look at anyone who votes for him and say, wow, really, really easily provable lies, and you'd rather believe them than reality? All right. Shame on you. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. I'll wrap up the hour with the SRO thing when I do return. Remember, Michael Broadcorp, Vikings talk coming up here. He's our Vikings guy. He wanted to be it. I'm going to give it to him. Michael Broadcorp coming up at 4.30 this afternoon. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. All right, so... Last two weeks, we've talked heavily about the SROs because once again, in my personal opinion, the Republicans are trying to make a political issue out of this when the reality is once you start looking at the entire argument that comes apart. And reminder that still Republicans today don't want to exactly explain what they want police to be able to do without consequences In these schools, they keep talking about the language is vague. They keep talking about how that that uh, you know that we need to give police tools. They don't want to really talk about what what they really are endorsing in schools at the hands of police officers. So once again, just really quick, I want to reiterate this because this is a hard. Republicans have not been able to get traction with much, and so they're. Desperately – and frankly, I think they're desperately hoping something bad happens to kids so that they can, they can have a political talking point and that's kind of the scary part of this. But I want to talk about student – school resource offices, SROs. And just make sure you have all the facts. And I'm going to repeat these, but I'm going to try to do it quickly because I don't want to make too much time on it because the Republicans – it does does sound like Governor Walz has indeed turned down the option of having a special session on it at this point. Although I imagine next session there's going to be a lot of Republicans screaming for this as soon as they get into the the, uh, St. Paul. So first of all. Only 28% of all schools in the state have student resource officers, which means 72% of the public schools in the state of Minnesota do not have school resource officers. Done. 72%, the overwhelming majority of schools in the state do not even have school resource officers. So when they try to make it seem like every school is now less safe because there's no student resource officers – uh, school resource officers. That's actually untrue. Most schools do not have them. Of the 28% of the schools that do have that, there are plenty of schools that are okay with the new rules, which is brings up an interesting point. But a reminder, Duluth, Rochester, Bloomington, Minnetonka, Lakeville – uh, Chaska, I believe it is South Washington County. Brooklyn Center has said they're putting their school resource officers back in the school. Anoka uh, Hennepin has in some of their schools their school, student re- uh, school resource officers. Robbinsdale as well. If you take all the school districts that are keeping their school resource officers in place, we're talking about probably, and this is a pure guesstimate, but considering the size of the school districts we're talking about here, That this is something that this, this school resource officers not being there is something that affects less than 10% of the public schools in the state. Which, once again, if I can get back to the one question there is the question whether isn't, whether or not the school resource officers, this new language is bad. But why are some police departments perfectly fine with the new language, okay with it and working within the realm? Why are the other police departments not? Okay, which brings up the other the other argument. Um, why are most of the places that are having a problem with their school resource officers far right red areas? Where the point seems more to be having the press conference with an outraged far-right sheriff or police captain screaming about the Democrats are out of control and the far-right city council screaming the Democrats are out of control and the far-right Republican representatives are screaming the far-right is out of control. Now, the other things to remember are this. Every argument that the Republicans make about this bill, that it will can't, the police cannot stop fights, they can't stop murders, they can't stop crimes, they can't even pull students off each other, all of those are lies. They can do all that stuff with this bill, this new change. They just can't physically assault a student in certain ways without cause. That's That's the only change. And that these rules have existed for 10 years for the kids for special needs, which brings up the other big question. Why is it the Republicans had no problem with the special needs kids having these rules in place? And if they didn't have a problem with that, then why would they have a problem with these special needs kids getting the same rules in place for every other kid? And then on top of that, are they saying the special needs kids don't need the protection? I don't think that's the case. Hour two, that's coming up next. Hour number two of the Matt McNeil show on your Monday. Good to have you with us today. Matt and Patrick here. Michael Broadcorp coming up here a little bit later on. Uh and we got we are we're loaded with shows. I gotta see if I got Dr. Joe on. We'll get hopefully cool again tomorrow. Uh I gotta see if uh we're not gonna have Stein this week. So I gotta we know Stein. I guess he he's gotta go get his pig polished or something like that. He's down in Iowa, it's what they do down there. Actually, I'm surprised we still get him. He's 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 kind of getting pulled in a lot of different directions. So it's always a pleasure to have him on the air. Not this week though. Uh I'm gonna see if I can get Schechter. Cliff Cliff's always a nice get on a, on a Wednesday as well. Uh plus other guests throughout the week. Uh so make sure you're 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 with us all week long right here on AM nine fifty. Uh I do have um the the basically the Ruth Richards special election is going to be early December. The primaries are going to be sometime in November if that happens. But that's going to be that district, which is what Egan, Invergrove Heights, down that part of Burnsville, down that way. So just FYI, that kind of set that up. Um, it's sixty. It's a sixty-five thirty-five Democratic hold. So I I I can't make that call yet. But so far, every Republican who seems to want to run is like make it. And so I think we'll hold it. I, I'm just I don't want to go out on a limb too far though. I was gonna ask if even any Republicans had announced
1: they were going to run because there have been a lot of DFL interest yes. in that in running for that seat. But yeah, like you were saying, the only the only Republicans are people who are just completely
0: out there. Well, how much money do they have in their bank account? Forty seven dollars, something like that? <laughs> so you know, we'll get you we're gonna get some we're gonna get some pizzas and some crazy bread so you can have whatever's left over after that. Good luck in your campaign. That's why I think so far it sounds like the only thing they've got on the right is the Megar! I want to burn books outside of the school and force everyone to worship my version of God. You know, that's like, well, good luck. Good. No, no. Good luck with that. Oh, yeah. We can't make that call now. We have to wait. All right. We have to wait. We have. Damn it. I guess we're going to have to wait till Christmas. Get, tell tell me the SRO story won't be the the the, the 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 holy focal point of that entire race. We'll have to see nine five two nine four six six two zero five or or abortion. But you know Republicans don't want to talk about that. They are trying to kill our city. Can I just Patrick? They are trying to kill our beautiful town of Minneapolis, which is. Gorgeous, by the way. I was down there yesterday. I know. Uh Warzone Apocalypse Hellscape Zombie World. No, I know. But it's delightful. Have you seen the dining options downtown? It is nice. And some outdoor seating. It's a it's 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 a popular and happy place, man. I have seen the options down there. Got some pretty good stuff to check out. For a demilitarized zone, you're not going to get better seating. You're just not going to get better seating. But they're still trying to ke- they're still trying to kill us. And there is bad news for us here. The Stone Arch Bridge is going to be shut down for a while. Do you hear about this? It would not feel uh, – you You wouldn't feel like it walking up. But the bridge spanning Mississippi River and downtown Minneapolis has deteriorated mortar between its stone blocks that needs replacing. Well, it's on the river, so I'm going to guess that that's a part of it. Starting next spring, the bridge will be closed for a reconstruction project expected to last and through spring of 2026 – the cost from the Minnesota Department of Transportation, $22 million to $26 million. MnDOT will close the east side of the bridge near Father Hennepin Park in St. Anthony, Maine for the first half of the project while workers scrape out old mortar and replace stones. Hey, Bob, how you doing down there? Uh, <laughs> replace stones. <those. laughs> That's a skill set I don't have. You have that skill set, rappelling down the side of the Stone Arch Bridge to do mortar work? That's not me. That's not going to be me. Hey Phil, hey, we'll get you a cold one after the shift. After the shift over here, okay? Um, they're going to be scraping out old mortar, replacing stones found to be in poor shape, said project manager Amber Blanchard. Then they'll reopen that side, close the western half of the bridge near Mill Ruins Park in Owamni. Uh, it won't be possible to walk or, walk or back the full length of the bridge for two years of construction, but visitors will still be able to get out basically to the halfway point. So it's, okay, so if you can go from the Mill Ruins. Now, so this, by the way, that, that trail downtown, you ever done that trail? It's like a two-mile trail that goes down the one side of the river uh, the the on the Mill Ruins Park side over to the Hennepin Avenue Bridge. Of a crossover to Nicollet Island, down to St. Anthony, Maine, down there to the Father uh, Father Hennepin Park, and then back across Stone Arch Bridge. Have you done that one? I've done some of that trail. Have you done the Energy Park part, which is great when it's open, where you can get right down there by the waterfall? Oh, I think so, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That is very cool, and a great view of downtown Minneapolis from there. Um, So you're not going to be able to do that trail, which kind of stinkerousky. Will Central be opening by that point? When's the Central – when's they are reopening the Central Avenue Bridge? I think
1: that's opening within the next couple months, if I recall. You better. You better.
0: Better. God, man, I miss that bridge. I can't tell you how shocked I am I'm saying that. But they're going to be reopening that bridge hopefully soon. Then, you know, at least halfway down – you, you, at least when it's on the Mill River, the, when it's on the 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 Saint Anthony side, then at least you'll be able to walk halfway down, take pictures of downtown Minneapolis because that still is one of the best views you'll ever find in the city, that's for sure. So, and that's once again, it's going to that is going to be going on until twenty twenty six. The parallel Third Avenue Bridge, which has been closed for one hundred twenty nine million dollars in repairs, the two years will reopen. Oh, it's next up, it's next month with a party. Now, wait a second here, really? You're gonna have a party on the Central Avenue Bridge, boy. That does actually sound like a Prince album, doesn't it? Party on the Central Avenue Bridge. <laughs> uh, so let's go. Can I, may I suggest either Dury or Gully Boys? Get them out there. Let's have a real freaking party, shall we? We'll be feeling alive on Highway 65. Yeah, there's, well, you, you know, can you do that though? I think yeah, you have to use Third or Central. Because 65, even though you're correct. I mean, I think you lose kind of the, the, the quaintness of it, the downtown. Yeah, you're probably right about that. So it's, it's, it's a party on the Central Avenue Bridge. There you go. You want to get a, get a good band out there, man. Then we'll have a real party. Um, that's one of the reasons we didn't work on both bridges at the same time, said Blanchard. Thanks for that. Also, so 3rd Avenue will be done. The new accessibility for pedestrians and bikes on 3rd Avenue will be open up and ready to go. God, that's going to be a, a bit of a stairs there, isn't it? So you're going to – I hope you got your climbing shoes on because you're going to have to go up. If you want to do the loop, it will be a different loop. But then when you get to the other side, you're pretty close to Mill Ruins Park anyway. So, yeah, that's not bad. That, that will work. 952-946-6205. Once again, the, uh, the Stone Arch Bridge closes next spring. So get out there early and often for your photos. And, hey, frankly, it's, it's one of my favorite places in the entire city. And so get out there and enjoy it as much as you can. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Um, Get ready to blow up the minds of your favorite MAGA conservative. I'm talking about you, Walt, or ZZ Flop, one of you two. Um, I might throw Lucero in there or Grun- uh, Grunhagen or Dreskowski or, you know, Mary. I, I, there are so many to choose from. The number of violent crimes reported in Minnesota declined last year after experiencing a major spike in 2021, according to new data from the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension. The 2022 Uniform Crime Report published on Monday details crime trends and law enforcement activity throughout the state. The data shows violent crime across statewide in uh, in, in, in 2021, violent crimes reported statewide increased approximately 22% compared to 2020. 2020. With a seven-county metro area experiencing an increase of 37% overall, but that was from 2020 to 2021. However, some of the metro counties experience, uh, you know, they've got a pretty decent-sized decrease. All types of violent crime in the report, homicide, rape, robbery, and aggravated assault decreased in 2022 compared to 2021. So there you go. Anoka and Scout counties saw both a rise in homicides and Carver County, recorded an approximately a 33% increase in rape and robbery. Now, I want to, before we get into this, I, we got to be careful about this because this is not, there is a element of this story where um, it doesn't take much to get an increase here. Let me give you an example. Um, in homicides, Anoka County saw a 200% increase in homicides. From 2021 to 2022. Now, that's Anoka County, not Hennepin, not uh, Dakota. That's uh, Anoka County, not Ramsey County. I said Dakota. I should have said Ramsey County, Ramsey or Hennepin. Anoka County, but that's actually going from one homicide in 2021 to 2022, having three. So it is an increase, but. It's not a lot of people, don't get me wrong, I'm not making light of anyone or saying it's not a tragedy that we lost a life in Anoka County, but it's not exactly skyrocketing numbers here. It's just going from one to three, and um, you know that's going to obviously be an increase there. Um, Same thing goes for, uh, was it Scott County? They went from one to three. So once again, a 200% increase. Ramsey County actually did go up. Slightly, 41 to 43, from 2020 to 2021 to 2022, uh, that's a 4.87% increase. But let's do the rest of the counties in the metro area. This is homicides. Hennepin County went from 113 down to 99. That's a 12% drop, which is pretty substantial. Washington County lost 75%, but that was going from four homicides down to one. Uh, you had uh, Dakota County having a 66% decrease which is 9 homicides down to 3 and Carver County didn't have a homicide last year so they went from 1 to 0 so that's a 100% decrease there so once again increasing numbers you know Hennepin County is safer I'm going to I'm going to do it for everyone here let me you know like channel my inner far right maga republican that you know shut up shut up shut up you're not welcome here just stay out stay out stay in your mom's basement and scared to death, grasping your guns, thinking, thinking the, the buses are coming to, to drop off the minorities to torment you in Montrose or wherever. No, you know, you just be paranoid. Be scared. Don't come out of the basement. We'll come, and, we'll come find you. We'll come find you when it's safe. <laughs> um, the, so once again, the, the, the numbers are definitely better. Um, In the urban core, homicides increased nearly 5% in Ramsey County, decreased about 12% in Hennepin County. Overall, homicides fell more significantly in the seven-county metro area. Nearly an 11% decrease compared to greater Minnesota, where homicides declined only at 3%. So the decrease in homicides was basically almost four times more in the metro area than it was in outstate Minnesota. Once again, coming from the delusional right. Um, The carjackings This is interesting 598 carjackings reported statewide last year 78% of those incidences were in Minneapolis And about 9% in St. Paul The number of carjackings recorded statewide last year Presents a decrease though Of more than 23% Compared to 2021 Additionally the victims did not report Any injuries in about 95% of all The carjacking incidences Um, According to the report, youth represented 9.4% of those arrested in 2022 with 10,500 arrests of someone under the age of 18. Statewide, youth accounted for 12.5% of arrests uh, related to murder nearly 29% of arrests related to robbery. And less than 6% of the the, uh, 10,545 youth arrests. The arrest was handled within the police department and the youth was released to their parents or let go with a warning. So interesting uh, changes there the other numbers and once again you can find this over on dot com. they have this um, for you know the metro area l- looking at rape charges uh, rape c- cases in 2021 to compared to 2022 once again anoka saw an increase 107 reported uh, rapes, uh, you know, charges in in case. I don't know if it's cases or charges. I, I'm not sure if that's the case. But we'll just go with cases. Uh, 2021 in Anoka County. Once again, this is the most conservative. of the Well, not Dakota or maybe Scott County. Uh, but uh, Anoka County, one of the more conservative parts up in the northern part of it, especially 107 uh, rape cases in 2021, 126. So that's a 17% increase. Carver County saw a pretty dramatic increase in rapes as well, going from 18 to 24. So a 33% increase there in rapes. Dakota County actually went down 168 to 157. So a 6% decrease. Hennepin County went down as well, but only minimally from 645 to 643. Ramsey County was down 10% from 358 to 322. Scott County from 48 to 41 rape uh, cases and a one case decrease in Washington County, 89 to 88. But overall, in the Metro Corps, decreased down 2.23%. Statewide, um, the change was down 5.78 with a 10% decrease statewide in rapes. Robbery. Um, statewide, the decrease was at 18% down from three hundred ninety-nine, three 3,991 to 3,266. In the metro area counties, the differences were this. Anoka was down from 82 to 77, so a 6% decrease. Once again, Carver County increasing, but once again, with robbery, it's 3 to 4. Not a lot of crime happening down there. So one one way or the other, it looks worse than it is. But it's still 33%. And Once again, I'm not making light of any robberies that are down there. Robberies in Dakota County were down 89 to 81, so that's an 8% decrease. In Hennepin County, down fairly dramatically from 2,837 to 2,288, so a 19% decrease. Ramsey County as well saw a substantial decrease, 651 to 545. Scott County was the same 14 and Washington County saw a decrease of 25, percent going from 86, me, 86, 84 to 36, 84 to 36, and uh, as well, the rest of the state was at a 17 percent decrease overall. And then aggravated assault statewide was decreased five percent, and the metro core was a decrease of two percent. So overall, crime is 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 less here. Now, once again. Prepare yourself for far-right Republicans. <laughs> it's horrible. And once again, we don't want you here. It's time for you. To, if you hate it here so much that you hear positive news about crime and you can't stop screaming about, ah,
2: it's so much worse,
0: well, why are you here? Seriously, you got one trip on the spinning rock. Move to Idaho or wherever it is you're going to find your happy place. But do, stop wasting your time here because No one wants to hear it. You know what? You're just a whiny little snit that's got a sad, sad existence. All right? Just, you know, constructive criticism. 952-946-6205. By the way, it's going to get worse for Republicans because the economic news is out, too. And guess what? Minnesota kicks ass again there, too. Thanks, Democrats! 952-946-6205. We'll recap that when we come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. All right, but about me. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. So the not only are the crime stats going down, the economy still is pretty humming here in Minnesota, but it's not completely good. Uh, there is one thing here that actually is pretty impressive here. But uh, first of all, and this is a story out of the Minnesota Reformer. It's five charts. Let me read the title here. Labor market just won't quit five charts in the Minnesota's labor economy. Uh, Minnesota's work and work at higher rates than the nation as a whole. They're also more likely to be in union and earn more money. It's good to be in Minnesota, said Aaron Sargent, a labor economist for the W.E. Upjohn Institute and for employment research. Now is especially a good time as the labor shortage is putting up, pushing up wages for low-wage workers and creating opportunities for people with less formal education and other barriers to employment like criminal convictions. I know of so many people who have said in the last six months – That people have either moved here because the economy is good or because they think with the climate change, they're going to weather things better in Minnesota than other places. It's one of the two. But yeah, okay. Uh, Minnesota labor force participation consistently is high. Um, It is so much higher than the U.S. average, which once again, when you look at the U.S. average, you got to remember there's a lot of places that are way below that. So, to get the average, the US average looks to be somewhere in the area of 63% of the labor force is participating. In Minnesota, it's closer to 69%. So, yeah, things are going a lot better here in Minnesota as far as labor force participation. It's consistently high, and according to this graph, it's on the uptick. Here's the one that is really a good sign because I want to take – quick. it's time for Matt's math corner. I have to explain the difference between average and median, Okay, The average is you take everything together, add it all up, and divide it by the number of – things that you put in there, and that will give you the average. The problem with averages when you come to looking at the economy is that you have a handful of people who basically have the personal wealth of Bolivia. And so it has a tendency of skewing the average really high. It's that kid in your science class that aced every damn test and basically helped the average overall but blew the curve way out of the board, you know, that sort of thing. So you got to be careful when you look at an average. The median is a much better number to look at economy because what the median is is where's the midpoint? That on one side of it are an equal number of people making more money than the median, and on the other side of it is the, the same amount of people making less than median. So this gives you an idea where the middle of the economic justice is sort of thing. And in Minnesota, it's a lot better. The median household income in the USA is slightly about seventy one thousand. In Minnesota, it's about eighty one thousand. You're making ten thousand dollars more as the median number in Minnesota on Minnesota household income than the nation is. That's a great number. That is a fantastic number. Downside, home prices continue to climb out of reach. I have a friend that just sold his house. not exactly the best house it's got a bad layout sold still they it's not there i mean it's not like it was where a house is sold twenty minutes after it hits the market, but it's you know two three weeks in most cases so that's not a good thing also not a good thing is union membership has softened a little bit uh we're still above fourteen uh, percent but we were up to sixteen percent. And this was in 2021 was 16 percent. We're down to 14 percent, somewhere around there. We're still well above the United States average where it's basically um, 10 percent is the U.S. average. But just, you know, we, you know, you know, go union. I mean, it's that's that's one way to ensure you're going to get better wages and better benefits. That's for sure. The final one is an interesting one because executive pay ratios. Now, reminder, I I come from the generation – where I remember where the president of the company made like a 20 to one ratio as opposed to the pay ratio of everyone else. Um, So it was there. So when you look at these numbers today, where all S and P 500 companies, the executive pay ratio to the average worker pay ratio is 324 to one. It tells you that's why we're screwed up as a freaking country used to be That the president of the bank was a 20 to one ratio, still had the biggest house in town, still was one of the big wigs in town, still had vacations and sent their kids to college and everything. But it's it's this 1980s greed is good mentality that the executive class is somehow better than the shareholders, the the, the stockholders, the employees, the, the customers, the suppliers, that the executive class is somehow better. That is what screwed up America, and it screwed it up really badly. Now, that is all S&P 500 companies, the 324 to 1. But in Minnesota, the Minnesota Fortune 500 companies, it's actually dramatically better 263 to 1. And still, far cry from where it used to be, but it's a lot better than the national average. So at least it tells me the Minnesota executives have a little bit more of a conscience than the national guys do. And considering I've been to Florida and to Texas and to Georgia and some of these other places, I don't think that that surprises me too much. So, yeah, overall, once again, things going a lot better here. Things doing much better for us overall and prepare ourselves for the MAGA, because <laughs> that's the way they do it. They basically just try to scream their their opinion at everything. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Okay, we're going to go a little sports heavy when we do come back. Michael Broadcorp joins us. He officially is our Vikings correspondent And we have not had him on. We had game one yesterday. We'll talk to him about the Vikes and football and other things as well. Michael Broadcorp, when we do come back, 952-946-6205. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.
2: Tune in this Saturday morning right here on AM 950 for the Gardening with Joy and Holly radio show from 7 to 8 a.m. We'll be discussing types of soil you have and how you may want to improve them as well as limited mobility in gardening. Our guest is garden blogger Heather Blackmore, and we'll answer your garden questions. That's all this Saturday.
0: Oh, I heard this song a bunch yesterday. Hey, I'm 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It is the Matt McNeil Show. So last year we decided – because Michael Broadcorp is a huge Vikings fan and of course we have Michael Broadcorp on the air to talk politics a lot of things. He, He has great representation and great understanding of how things are coming from the Republican side of the aisle and he also is, like I said, a huge Vikings fan and so he wanted to be a Vikings correspondent. I, we have made him our Vikings guy. He is kind enough to join us. We, we, I regret the fact, Michael, that I did not get you in here before the season started because we get to start this sucker off on a sour note. But thank you very much. I appreciate you coming back to be the Vikings expert.
2: I'm very excited about being here today. Thank you for the opportunity. Let's let's do it.
0: <laughs> I love when we give a speech like we're going into the Hall of Fame. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. it. It was an ugly day yesterday. Okay, well first of all, I want to talk about a few different things before we get to ugh. Uh okay, so I went to US Bank Stadium. What's the best thing to eat in that stadium in your mind?
2: Uh everything. Um I mean, I can't I mean, the, the tacos, I think the chicken chicken sandwiches are great. Okay. Uh, there's just, everything is, everything's good there to eat.
0: I had soul bowl. That was a very solid thing, but that's the, it was the same thing they have over at target field as well. But I mean, it, it's delicious. I really enjoyed that when I had that uh, yesterday.
2: It's, it's really tough to go wrong at USA bank stadium on Vikings day. Um, you gotta be careful what you eat because depending on the play might get a little bit of indigestion, <laughs> might have a little heartburn, but, uh, it's a great environment to play I mean, excuse me, it's a great environment to see the play, to watch the team play. Uh, as, you, as you may have covered previously, USA Bank, U.S. Bank was recently rated one of the top fields, if not the top field. It was. I think it actually top. was the top field. Yeah, it was. For, the, for the, the NFL experience on game day. So whether it's food, family, fun, it's a great atmosphere, the only thing it's conditional on is how the Vikings play. And yesterday I was not at the game. Um, but I have a feeling there were a lot of sad faces and frustrated faces when people left that gorgeous facility.
0: It did. It turned five minutes before the end of the game. That when he when he missed uh, Addison for the first down, that stadium turned. Uh, I was sitting. By the way, I was sitting in probably the best place to sit to to really get that that gorgeous view. Which is out and kind of the, I guess it'd be the southeast side of the stadium where you're looking right into downtown Minneapolis and that with the windows open, that, that is a pretty spectacular view. And then I noticed as well that for a lot of the stadium, if the sun comes up, it, even though it's a covered stadium, it's pretty bright in there.
2: No, yeah, it is. Depending on where you get it, you can really get some sun. I'm in section, uh, my family seats are in section 124. um, And so, uh, you know, we get a a good kind of end zone action. We don't get a lot of the direct sun, but it's just a gorgeous, you know, inside the complex, inside the stadium, even though it's, you know, there's a lot of glass and which there's been some discussion about, it's just a great, it's just a great viewing experience. I think the fight lines are good and the aesthetics around the stadium, Make it for just a really enjoyable game day experience. Well, did you
0: did you well, ever? Except
2: when they're losing. Except when they're losing.
0: <laughs> did you ever go to the old St. Paul Civic Center, which was the big sombrero, and try to watch? I mean, if you were sitting on ice side there, you were below the ice. You couldn't see the game.
2: So a couple things: St. Paul Civic Center, uh, great big. Uh, my dad played in the state high school hockey tournament a few times, so he was a, he always brought that up as a good environment to to. That was an environment that he liked to go to. You know, wasn't there at the time, but to watch hockey, St. Paul Saints with season tickets to the St. Paul Saints, that's wow. where they played. And I remember the old clear boards of the Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament. Yeah, um, that was a, that was the sight lines were better then, but that was not an arena that was up to I think the current NHL standards, but. That St. Paul Civic Center for Hockey has a soft place in my heart.
0: The I watched uh, when Minnesota Muskies played. They played over at Target Center. That also yep. is not a great facility. There are places there. And the, as you talk about sight lines, one of the things I, I kind of give a lot of con, uh, commendation for is the the XL Energy Center and the, and the U.S. Bank Stadium, and I'll even say Target Field, um the the sight lines are so much better. When they design these stadiums now, the experience as a fan, you don't generally miss too much. And even if you have one of the nosebleed seats, especially at the X or at US Bank Stadium, you see the field. You don't there's not really too much in the way of the obstructed viewing that you used to get.
2: That's an astute point. If you think about some of the stadiums that have been built in Minnesota and have gone away, it's I mean US Bank, um, Target Field. Yeah. And where the tw- and you know uh, where the other complexes that have been built, sightlines, the the game day experience for Minnesota sports fans, whether it's you know Target, whether it's Timberwolves, the Lynx, whether it's the Saints, whether it's the Twins, whether it's the Wild, or it's the Vikings, we have really good game day experiences. I think for fans in those stadiums, and that's a real change. I think in how they've constructed these stadiums. You know, the Metrodome was a fun place to be. I have always have a, a soft spot in my heart for the Metrodome, but that was a that was a base that was a football stadium that they also played baseball in. Yep. And it just wasn't designed. And, and there's you know we've advanced a lot in in the design of these statements and there be, these stadiums. They're becoming much more intricate. But boy, you really can't beat that game day experience at US Bank. It's just uh, a wonderful place to go.
0: Yeah, it is. And, I mean, God, I must remember if, if when, you were, when they played baseball at the Metrodome, if you were anywhere down that third base line, those seats were – they just were not conducive to seeing the game. You just, it, they weren't comfortable, and you had to turn your are basically halfway to the right just to see anything, and it was not nice. I, I, I'm, I'm glad they have fixed that. Now, one of the reasons I have you on the air. Is I, I could go get a sports guy to come on and talk about this stuff, one of these guys. But I, I appreciate this much more in the sense being this. you and I are very much normal people. We are Twin Cities residents. We live around this area. We are fans. And so I think I, I try when I talk about this stuff, I want to talk about it from that point of view, from the everyman kind of view, not from the expert. And I think that that's what's important. I think we both all can agree this new three-game preseason for the NFL is screwing up the entire dang league because every single team, maybe outside of the Dallas Cowboys, every single team just played sloppy, crappy football this week because, let's face it, this is the first game that the starters really had any game time.
2: You're exactly right. First of all, let me start by acknowledging being called normal by you on AM 950 on the radio is going to be the absolute it's going to be
0: tough to top that this week. So you really are good people. You B- Michael Bra- Mike, Mike, Michael Broadcorp is good <laughs> people and I will I, be, I I tell you what you are you're a friend and I and I appreciate everything that I, you come I, and say
2: No, I appreciate that. sir. I think you're spot on. I mean, the the preseason has been um is, is truly no indication of of how teams are going to do it in the regular season and I think we've seen over the last few years that these preseason games, that these, these there's not enough on the line for these teams to A, risk injuring their star players uh, to the point at which they're doing anything meaningful during these games. I think the most significant thing that Kirk Cousins did in any of the preseason games is that he wore his helmet without his pads on. Yes. And there's just not a lot going on. And so, and, and that's a great conversation for a, someone who is more of a sports historian, To understand the evolution of that, but you keyed on something that's spot on because the team looked rusty yesterday. Yes. They didn't look as, they just didn't look like they were clicking as much. It was a year ago. Um, I was at, you know, US Bank on, you know, opening weekend and the Vikings played the Packers. And that was just a, just from an energy perspective, just in terms of the intensity in the stadium and the aggressiveness of the Vikings play. That's where, you know, that first game, you had a real thought that something special was going to be going on with this team. And it was an amazing season. But yesterday, they just seemed to be, they just seemed off pace. Their cadence seemed wrong. Um, and to lose an opening an opening game to Tampa Bay, Johnny Manziel's quarterback, I mean, who could have thought that would have happened?
0: Oh, it, it's, it's. The, the the first thing I want to say is, is, you know, the Kirk Cousins just, he looked horrible. I mean, he really did. I mean, I get it. The offensive line was basically a matador letting them at him. But at the same time, there were plenty of times he had plenty of times to throw. He just wasn't throwing. And he was missing wide open receivers. And it just, it was, and of course, he, they, he had two fumbles, a bad interception. He just did not look good. And I don't know how much of this is that... You know, failure to play a preseason game at all, or is it just is he regressing? But if you're a Vikings fan, from what you saw from Kirk Cousins, if he is the guy that's going to make or break this team, I don't. I, I I'm very concerned about where this team is going.
2: I have, and I, and I and I think the archives of our conversations will reflect that. I've always been somewhat mixed on Cousins, and yes, I, I, he can go. He can go either way. And yesterday was an example of where he can go, and when he goes bad, he goes there quickly. Um, You know, there's always a desire, I think, and there's always a a Monday morning uh, quarterbacking that goes on with Vikings fans, where they are upset about losses, and they analyze them. But that being said, as you pointed out, being normal guys just kind of sitting there either at the game or watching from home, there's not a lot to, to come out of that game and feel good about. Not to say that losses you should ever feel good about losses. But there's a there's clearly this team, I think, based on the first game, has taken somewhat of a step back. You know, they lost, you know, Dalvin Cook. They lost Adam Thielen. Um, they've lost some key players. And the the concern I have, I was texting with some friends, you know, kind of forecasting the upcoming weeks. And there's a real possibility the Vikes could be 0-3 um, coming, you know, in the, you know, 0 and three here and that's a real challenge. I mean they got a tough road game. They're on the road this week in Philadelphia and that's not a that's not been a good environment for, for cousins. And here the other thing is that it's a primetime game. It's a, it's a spotlight game and Cousins has not done traditionally well on these Monday night Monday night Thursday night kind of primetime games. He does much better on kind of the traditional schedule. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Uh, we could be talking on Friday um, about a great Vikings victory and everything that we said today could be, could be washed away. But there's a lot of concern, I think, for Vikings fans with how they performed yesterday and what they have coming in uh, later this week on Thursday.
0: I don't think the defense played pretty bad, but I do have to point out the running game. It... I mean, we got rid of Dalvin Cook because he was supposedly past prime, but we had a bunch of guys that, for the most part, just ran right into the line every time and didn't get too much in the way. I think we had one or two runs that were a little bit longer, but just nothing of any consistency. And if you can't, you know, with the wide receiver core that he has, he's got a very good wide receiver core. If he can't get balls down the field, then this is going to be a very long season because – it's, it's clear that the running game has at least, once again, in this context of this is the first time they're playing together in their regular formation. And from what we saw yesterday, if it's a bellwether of what we're going to see in the season, they don't have a running game that was nearly as, as much of a threat as they did last season.
2: Correct. And one of the other things that plagued this team yesterday is that the Vikings have have a and and last year was somewhat different, man. I think we could say when the Vikings made mistakes last season, they seemed to catch a lot of breaks, flip of the coins and opportunities. Yes. What what was on display yesterday was the the Vikings that we know, which <laughs> is they make mistakes at the worst times, critical mistakes at critical times. Excuse me, and that's where that's something that's very common to this team, and it's a frustration that I've had over the years. It's the reason I don't have hair, uh, reason I pulled it all out, is because of that. But last season, what was so refreshing about last season, Matt, is that they seem to be catching uh, breaks. They got they caught opportunities that they would never traditionally get. Yeah, and so I had a lot of enthusiasm coming into the season. But you know, second year Kevin O'Connell's coach. Boy, the Vikings sure looked like a team that I remember growing up, uh, and that's not a recipe for success.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, there are some buttes there. But okay, so as much as negative as we're talking about this team, let's just point out one very specific fact: if the guy wasn't had, wouldn't have been offsides on that field goal, they would have four. You know, Tampa would have had four less points, and basically that's the game right there. That as you talk about, you know, you know bad breaks a special teams blunder, you know, one person can look and say, sure, Cousins had all these problems, that the running game wasn't there, the offensive lines got issues, but the reality is it came down to one play where a special teams guy was off sides and it gave four new downs to Tampa and they got it in the end zone. That's four points, which was, well, the the deciding factor was three points. That's the game right there, and I think that that you know we should point that out.
2: No, it's fair criticism, and, and that's and that's the type of breaks that the Vikings Vikings get. But I'd like to see, you know, one of the other things to be positive about is the, the play of Jordan Addison.
0: Yes, yes. I, mean,
2: I think that he, if we want to focus on the positive, which we have to do as Vikings fans, we have to focus on the positive. I saw a lot of promise in Jordan Addison yesterday. Oh yeah. And I think that, that we have the potential here for, you know, with Justin Jefferson, I hope his contract issue gets resolved here. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's an opportunity to get it done this, you know, you know, during the play here, during the next few weeks, or if it's going to be postponed until the until after the season's over. But, but locking down Justin Jefferson and ensuring that Jordan Addison has a place to play, we're going to have a. There's going to be wonderful targets with a prime quarterback in the spot, and there's a number of NFL teams that would love to have one and two receivers. Being Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison, and Kirk Cousins is should is now. I think the pressure is going to be on him with those type of receivers to show that he's the type of quarterback can deliver the ball in their hand. Because that's going to be tough for him. He can't put points on the board with those guys out there. Boy. That's going to be on his shoulder. Well, that and, was Jordan Anderson's play was just great yesterday.
0: And here's one of the things that you see if you go to a game and you don't see on the television. And here's the problem. This is the thing. This is the last point, And I just this is what gets me concerned about Cousins. Is there were numerous plays where Addison had had shaken off his defender, and he was a man to man pretty much all the game, and he'd shaken this guy off, and he was got ten yards and it didn't seem like when, you know, the the great quarterbacks, Mahomes and and Rodgers, what they're doing is they send out five weapons, they're checking all five of them. Cousins consistently was checking one or two and kind of ignoring everyone else, and it showed. And the fact is, if he would have just looked over at Jordan Addison, Addison could have had one of the greatest opening games ever for a rookie because he was being left wide open, and just Cousins just did not see him.
2: Correct. And I will also say... One other point to be positive. I think there's a lot of things I liked about Brian Floor's defense yesterday. Yes. Um, there's, I think there was a marked improvement. I think they had less, they, they allowed, I think, less than four yards per play. That's a marked improvement from last year. And I, I just think to the point that you introduced, I wasn't prepared for it to go that way, our conversation, but you're spot on to kind of lay that out as kind of the discussion point these preseason games. I think we're used to seeing a lot more explosion on on weekend one out of the gate, and it's it's clear based on kind of the the reformatting and and the kind of the way these preseason games are looked at that there's just not that you're not getting the kinks out mm-hmm. adequately. That falls to the coaches prepping their players, you know, in practices, uh, in, in in training camps to make sure that they're ready. But we'll see what happens. I mean, the Vikings have a tight turnaround schedule. I, I, I really hope you and I are here on Friday talking about the Vikings win over over uh, the Eagles, and all of everything we said could be wrong. We could be just <laughs> singing their praises. Well, uh, but they- if we're 0 two, if we're 0 two. That's going to be a concern, sir.
0: No, and they need to make up. They should. They were sp- picked to win that game against Tampa, so they need to make it up somewhere, and that would be a, a place to do it. We'll probably talk next Monday, just FYI, but you definitely come That's on fair. back. We're, That's fair. We're, we're going to come on back. And quick, t- uh, you have your latest podcast uh, episode dropping, correct?
2: Uh, yes. W- we did a very special thing, uh, uh, Becky and I. did. We had a, a great debate with uh, – we were able to do an event with the, DF- the Minnesota DFL, One of the things that I'll be very brief, one of the things that I really enjoy about podcasting is the opportunity to talk to Democrats and Republicans. But Becky and I, Becky, Cher, and I have had an opportunity one time before to do a crossover episode. This time, we did an episode, uh, a two-part episode. The Minnesota DFL, through their podcast, released, it's a two-part episode, of debate between Chairman Han of the GOP and, and Chairman Martin of the DFL. And they released part one. We're going to release part two tomorrow. Uh, but it was a great discussion. It was just a wonderful opportunity. And I know, Matt, you know, we, the, the hyper partisanship always gets covered in politics. This is the reality of it. But it was just a really nice experience on both a personal and professional level to sit with the DFL party chair the GOP chair, and have there be just this really kind of long-form, thoughtful discussion. Mm-hmm. And my compliments to, to Brian Emmons and the DFL for making it happen and, and to Chairman Han and his staff for willing to do it and Martin and Chairman Martin and to Mike podcasting those Becky for also participating. And it. it was just a wonderful
0: opportunity. The breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky. We'll make sure we uh, get that posted when that na- new episode breaks down here. Uh, Michael Broadcorp, our Vikings expert, when we do have him on to talk about Vikings. Uh, Michael, we will talk to you either Friday or Monday, okay?
2: Sounds great. Thanks for the opportunity, sir.
0: You got it. Michael Broadcorp, Vikings specialist. Uh, put that on your business card, my friend. Uh, 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. Wrap up the show when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. But no, you know, I, I, hey, I already know I'm going to get people because I get the same thing with Schechter when we talk about baseball is that people call you, hey, Matt, you're talking sports. Wait you know what? It's, it is part of our lives. I mean if we, we spend an insane amount of tax dollars on this thing, right? Um, and the reality is is that as much as, as, as people might not understand it or appreciate it, the fact is a lot of people do stop and – Pay attention to these things. Now, the good—if the Vikings keep playing the way they are, we won't be paying attention too much further into October. It'll be time to talk about, you know, nice fall hikes. <laughs> Maybe we'll turn Michael Broadcorp into our fall hike specialist <laughs> if that's the case. But um, no, I, you know, it's. Yeah. It, it's part of our lives, and I think that it's 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 easy to sort of sit there and say, oh well, you, you know, you know, is there a point to talk about it? Yeah, you know, yeah, I don't have any problem talking about it, but I talk about a lot of things. I talk about soccer. I talk about Doctor Who. I talk about you know Rush the band. I talk about a lot of different things. I talk about my experiences going to these stadiums and stuff like that. And so, I mean, i I'm just basically doing what I think most people in the Twin Cities are doing. And I guarantee you, today there's a lot of people talking about what happened in that game yesterday. So. Uh, but guarantee you this, no sports. I don't think we have any sports tomorrow, but we won't be talking about too much about that stuff. We will, of course, I think probably have Patrick Cooligan on from the Minnesota Reformer and other things as well. Native Roots Radio, I am awake. That's coming up next. Have a good one. We are back on a Tuesday. Till then, see ya.